<clears throat> so, uh, if you've been here at all throughout the month of December, you know that we've been in a series called The Sounding Joy, where we are reflecting on the songs that we tend to hear this time of year. And I have saved what might be my favorite one for last, which is the one that the worship team just played, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I love this song uh, because somehow it manages to both lament uh, and express hope. Somehow it manages to be both sad and joyful, um, somehow celebratory, even as it is very honest about the difficulties in life. Um, if any of us have trouble relating to all the songs that we tend to hear about being full of good cheer and merry and jolly, uh, this song is a good antidote to all of that. It's probably more, light, um, more honest for me to say that I love these lyrics rather than I love this song because there are so many different versions of this song. Uh, the three that are my favorite versions are very different from the mo more traditional ones. Um, you might be familiar with them. One is by Casting Crowns from an album that came out in 2008, Peace on Earth. Another one I really like is Jars of Clay's version on Christmas songs from 2007. And one that I just found uh, a couple days ago that I really like is uh, a version by something called The Five, Five Strings from 2017. And all three of those, they play around with the melody a lot. They're all very different. So if you've never heard those, I encourage you to look them up after service. But before I heard the bells was a song, it was a poem. It was a poem by this guy, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Uh, Longfellow lived from 1807 until 1882. He was a New Englander, like us. And for a period of time, he was recognized as America's most popular poet. So he was someone who knew success, but he also knew hardship. And I debated in my mind whether or not I wanted to list all the woes that he experienced, because I don't really want to be a downer on Christmas Eve. But I think knowing a little bit about his history helps us to feel the significance of I Heard the Bells even more. So I'm going to share a little bit about his woes. And to balance things out, I'm wearing my Snoopy sweater. So if uh, it's just too much of a downer for you, you can focus on that. <laughs> so when Longfellow was in his early 20s, his favorite sister, Elizabeth, died of tuberculosis. She was only 20 years old. Then, when he was 28, his first wife died from a miscarriage when uh, she was carrying their first son. She was only 22 years old. And, of course, that was devastating for him. But eventually, he fell in love again. He married a woman named Frances. And this time, uh, he was married for 18 years, and they had six children. But her life was also cut short by a terrible accident at home, and uh, Henry tried to save her and was not able to. And that haunted him forever, for the rest of his life. And of course, he was left with six children, all under 18, to take care of. 
Now, that accident that killed his second wife, that happened in 1861. And if you know your American history, you know that something else very significant was going on then, the Civil War. Now, Longfellow, he was a staunch advocate for abolition. He wanted slavery to end. But he did not want his oldest son, Charles, to go to war because he didn't want to lose him too. But Charles was very passionate about the cause of abolition. And so in 1863, against his father's wishes, he joined the Union Army. He left. He didn't have his father's permission, but he still went. And before 1863 was over, in November, uh, Henry Longfellow got word that his son had been severely injured in battle and there was a good chance that he would not survive. So that was November 1863 and then on Christmas Day of that same year Henry Longfellow wrote I Heard the Bells. And he had a lot of feel, a reasons to feel sad when he wrote that poem. First and second wives both died young. His son was injured. His country was in turmoil. And as he heard the bells resounding from the churches in his city celebrating the birth of Jesus, he had mixed emotions. He wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So as Longfellow heard those bells ringing to celebrate the birth of Christ, he thought of them as representing the first heralds of the birth of Jesus, the angels. Those angels that appeared to the shepherds that Meg and Claire read about. And, and he remembered the angels announcing that the birth of Jesus was good news of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And on that Christmas day, Longfellow thought about how the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Uh, just in case you don't know, a belfry is a, a bell tower. So what, what Longfellow was thinking about was how bells have been rung in churches for centuries as a way of continuing to proclaim what those angels first said, that Jesus had come to bring peace on earth. And he was thinking about how there's, this, there's been this unbroken chain since those angels of that message being proclaimed by the church. It's sometimes proclaimed by ringing church bells, but it's also proclaimed by pastors and priests and, and people who have had an experience with Jesus who then share the good news about him. And there's been an unbroken chain since then. But despite that unbroken chain, declaring that Jesus has come to bring peace on earth, still, there is no peace on earth. The fourth and fifth verses aren't usually set to music, and that's because they're not as timeless. 
They're about the, the Civil War specifically. And Longfellow identifies the Civil War as something that is in tension with that unbroken song that the church has been proclaiming, that song of peace on earth. He wrote, Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So earlier he had described uh, the bells as voices singing this song of peace on earth, right? And here he describes cannons, Civil War cannons, like, like mouths that are yelling and drowning out the sound of peace on earth. Now, of course, we're not in the middle of a civil war this Christmas. Thank goodness. But I'm sure many of us can think of things that currently drown out the sound of peace on earth in our experience, right? We may not be in a civil war, but there is a lot of division and hostility in our country. Once again, we're in the middle of another surge of COVID infections. You know, a few months ago, I thought that our days of needing to worry about that were, were long past. And yet, once again, a few days before now, I'm finding myself wrestling with, okay, what's the best thing to do? What's, uh, what's an appropriate level of risk? What's not an appropriate level of risk? And after nearly two years of having to wrestle with those kinds of questions, it's exhausting, right? It's really tiring. And what's also exhausting is the, the disagreement and conflict in our society over how to handle uh, the problems that we face, how to respond. Misinformation is exhausting. And all this makes the ideal of peace on earth feel like a very far cry from reality, right? And then, of course, aside from pandemics and politics, the song of peace on earth is often drowned out by things going on in our personal lives. The loss of loved ones, chronic illness, divorce, drug and alcohol addiction, depression and anxiety. Maybe this Christmas, the song of peace on earth does not feel drowned out to you at all. Maybe you feel happy, you feel blessed, you feel content, you feel at peace, you're free of worry, and if that's you, that's great. And I celebrate that. And I would never want to say anything tonight to change that. But chances are there are some people here tonight who don't feel that way. And chances are if you live long enough, a Christmas will eventually come, or several Christmases, where you don't feel that way. And if that's you, I think verse 6 of this song is probably very relatable. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But this is not a song of despair. Despite the hardships in Longfellow's life, despite the terrible war that was raging at the time, and the potentially lethal injury that his son had just sustained, Longfellow finishes with these words, then pealed the bells more loud and deep 
God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. Now, I don't think that Longfellow is saying here that despair flees when the decibel level on the bells gets just loud enough. Right? That's too literal for a poet. What he's saying is that the reason why the bells are ringing can overpower our despair. The bells are ringing, of course, in honor of the birth of Jesus. And when we understand the meaning and the significance of that birth of Jesus, we have a source of hope in the darkest of circumstances. When we understand the real significance of Christmas, the song of peace on earth rings louder and deeper to us than any of the songs of fear and hate and violence that are competing with it. As Chase read earlier, the beginning of John's gospel says this about Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word, which trust me that's talking about Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The creator of the world took on flesh. The creator entered the world he made. and He was born to poor people in the humblest of circumstances on a night when there was no room for his parents to lodge. He spent his first night in a feeding trough for animals. The king of the universe, the creator of it all. And then, when he grew up, he spent several years teaching, healing, doing miracles, casting out demons. And then at 33 years old, he was crucified. He was put to death in one of the most humiliating and awful ways that humanity has ever devised. God himself entered our world and experienced the hate that is strong and that mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And that strong, mocking hate inspired people to kill him, not because he was guilty of any crime, he wasn't, but because he spoke the truth. And the truth made many people, especially powerful people, uncomfortable. And so he was killed. The incarnate God's lifeless human body was placed in a tomb. And I'm sure that when that happened, just like Longfellow, his followers in despair hung their heads. There is no peace on earth, they probably said. But then the bells pealed more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. On the third day, Christ rose from the dead. The wrong failed. The right prevailed. And Jesus promises that when the time is right, he will bring peace on earth. Now, I don't know, maybe that's a story you've heard many times. Maybe it's not. But as I told it, it's possible that it raised a bunch of questions for you. Questions like, why would the creator of the world do all that? Why would God become a human being? What's the point of that? And then, as a human being, suffer a miserable death? Why would God allow the human incarnation of himself to be treated that way? What, what is the point of all this? 
And those are big questions, and if I tried to address them in all the ways that theologians do, we would be here all night, and at the end, it might not even make more sense. <laughs> but there is a simple foundational answer to all those questions, which is that God cares deeply about us and about the world that he's made. And if we're going to be saved from our sin and from death and from the devil, this is what had to be done. And God did it. The Christmas bells should ring louder for us than any other song because they announce that the Creator cares so much about us that He was willing to go from heaven to earth, from glory to a manger, and from that manger to a cross to save us. And yes, right now, there isn't peace on earth. Hate is still strong. The world is filled with brokenness. Things still aren't as they should be. But when we know Jesus, when we're trusting in him, there is something within us that refuses to give up hope. That's what I love about this poem, is it describes that stubborn refusal to give up hope. Somehow, we might not even be able to explain how, but somehow we know that the wrong will fail and the right will prevail. We know in our bones, deep down, that when all is said and done, justice will come, and that death is not the end, and that this broken world will be healed. But it's important to emphasize that peace, that confidence, it's come through knowing and trusting in Jesus. That's, that's what it comes through. It doesn't come through trust in politicians or health or wealth or even science, as valuable as science is. It comes through trusting that the creator of all this is revealed through the one who was born in Bethlehem and through the one who died on the cross. And pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Let's pray. Lord, we do long to see peace on earth. We long for you to be king in a way where it is evident to all. And where you are, you are reigning. Um, and all is made right. And Lord, we, we trust because of what Jesus has done, what you have done, that that day will eventually come. That the wrong will fail, the right will prevail. And you are the true right one. And we are trusting in you. Lord, we thank you that you entered into the, our world, that you felt the hate that is strong and that mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And that you, you triumphed over that hate. In Jesus' name, amen.